Welcome to the Manufacturing Employer Podcast, where we talk workplace culture and all things related to the strategies that drive exceptional environments for employees. You'll hear conversations with those in the manufacturing space tasked with making their workplace better. Employee engagement, benefits, onboarding, hiring, we'll be discussing the working experience from top to bottom. Let's get into the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Manufacturing Employer. I'm your host, John Franco, co-founder of Gorilla76. We are the industrial marketing agency. We help manufacturers grow through revenue-focused marketing programs. On today's show, I'm very excited to welcome good friend of Gorilla, hired and trusted consultant of Gorilla, author of How to Fix a Factory, and most importantly, 30-year manufacturing veteran Rob Tracy to the show. Prior to starting his consulting business in 2018, Rob worked more than 30 years in industry with 20 of those in executive roles. He's led organizations through tremendous growth as well as severe economic downturns. He can help you navigate the challenges that accompany large-scale changes and even things like a global pandemic. He certainly helped us navigate it, that's for sure. His roles in industry have included CEO, COO, VP of Operation, He's worked for large and small companies in a variety of industries. As a business leader, he's coached many people, and he's a certified executive coach by the Center for Executive Coaching. Rob has a Bachelor of Science in Industrial and Operations Engineering from the University of Michigan, and he's a graduate of the Minnesota Executive Program at the University of Minnesota's Carlson School of Management. Rob is an avid reader and learner. In 2019, Rob wrote How to Fix a Factory, and that's one of the reasons he's here today. I recently read it. I was amazed, genuinely amazed at how many times people were at the root of some of the issues that plague a manufacturing facility. And that's really going to be the focus today. Rob lives, and I quote, for the feeling he gets when he sees a frustrated, demoralized workforce get their mojo back. Rob, welcome to the Manufacturing Employer. Hey, thanks a lot, John. What a great introduction. Looking forward to our talk. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, first off, you've been in the space for a bit now, 30 years, just a a quick little stint. When you were writing the book, were you surprised that how many, I mean, I guess I was surprised that how many times people were at the root of a facility's problem, so to speak. And I, I don't mean that the people are bad, but that just something related to people issues were at the root of a struggling facility. Was that a surprise to you or was that pretty much on par with, I guess, your experience? It's an interesting observation. I would say when I was writing the book, I didn't pick up on that that was a common thread that was in there. But I've certainly gotten that feedback from a number of people like you that have read it and said, boy, there's a, a lot of, first of all, very general, broad business discussions or topics that are brought up that aren't just manufacturing specific, but also that these elements of people. And if you don't get the people equation right and treat people the right way and build on them, that you're going to have a hard time getting things right in the, in your operation. And I guess it's been a surprise to me that I've gotten the, that it's gotten that kind of feedback and that it kind of naturally just was a theme throughout the book. Absolutely. Yeah. I was, as I started reading it, I was like, knew you were coming on the show and knew I wanted to get into some of the different elements of the book, but obviously still tie it back to the HR suite, which is the target of, of this show. And I started out, I was like, all right, I'm just going to, anytime I see something about people, I'm going to make a note of it. Well, I mean, it was every page. So I think it's fascinating. It's something we hear from clients often. Hey, right now, getting work's not a problem, but 
One in five people we hire are sticking around longer than 30 days. We can't find people. Compared, in, and I guess your time with exposure to the manufacturing industry, where are we right now? Is it the toughest of times when it comes to finding people? Is this something that has always been a challenge? Where are we now? It's harder now to definitely to to hire and retain people. And the, we've definitely seen a change in the workforce and the power dynamic and the power shift. The, the workers hold a lot more leverage than they did. You know, when I started my career in manufacturing in the late 80s, the company I worked for back then, they had a reputation for paying people very well. And they had a line out the door that went around the block of people that wanted to get in and they would stay for decades. And over time, that that's changed, not just for them, but but for others where it takes more than good compensation. You've got to you know, treat the people well and make them feel valued and respected. And the demands to really have a strong workforce that is loyal to you and stays with you is very different than it was when I started my career. You brought up something I had noted, and I wanted to make sure we touched on it. The idea of respecting your workforce. There was something that even as a marketing agency owner, I shared with our company, I, I thought it was great talking about the environment you have your team in is a physical manifestation of kind of how you think about your workforce. You, and I'm trying to find this section right now in the book, but you talk a lot about the actions to demonstrate respect, like living your values, clean factory. Can you just kind of go into kind of unpack some of that? Yeah. And whether you work in a in an office environment or on the factory floor, the space that you work in says a lot about what the company feels about their people and how they want to treat them. One of the things when I go into a new client, now that I'm on my own, I get to visit a lot of factories. One of the first things we'll do is I'll just make a stop into to the restroom and just look to see, are they clean? Are they appointed well? Or is there a noticeable difference between the restroom that customers use versus the restroom that employees use out on the, on the shop floor? And some of them you go into, they're appalling, they're gross. And it's like, why would that be an okay environment for people? And then you'll see factories that are clean and well taken care of. And you can tell that the machines are well cared for. And you think, you know, I'd I'd be okay with my kid working in this environment. And you see others where the roof is leaking and there's dirt and oil and it's, there's clearly some dangerous hazards. And it's like, well, you can tell how this place feels about their people because they're not taking care of things. And so, yeah, you can see with your eyes on a five minute tour a lot about what the kind of underlying thought process is about how should people be treated. What an easy way to kind of get an immediate win for anyone that's listening. Like, hey, go look at your bathrooms right now. And if they're not clean, let's figure out a way to start getting them clean. That's amazing. I never thought about that. But I have witnessed that, you know, on some of the different manufacturing facilities I've been in where, yeah, you're right. You walk in the the main area and it's pristine, looks great, whatever. Then you get back in the back and it's like, well, okay, I guess the people doing the work aren't important here. Yet then these people wonder why they can't find people or that people are leaving. Well, yeah, they can wonder why someone comes in, a temp comes in or a new worker comes in and in two weeks is turn around leaving and they don't say anything on the exit interview but they just kind of picked up and went. Well, it probably isn't just that one thing, the bathrooms, but if you just start adding up all the little things where they put into an environment and not taught about how to behave safely or how to to act safely so that they can go home in the same condition that they came to work, or were they just thrown out there? All those kind of little things tell people a lot about what the place is going to be like to, to come to day in and day out. Another idea you had in the portion about 
actions to demonstrate respect. And don't worry, Rob, I'm not going to get away the whole book. People need to get this for themselves and read it. But implementing listening sessions. I love that. I think that was something as a business owner and leader I really struggled with early on was truly understanding listening. And I probably still, my employees would still probably grade me as a B but I would have been a D before, that's no doubt. But talk about that. You mentioned like what's on your mind lunches. Talk about that a bit. Yeah, you wouldn't have been alone getting a D earlier and it doesn't come naturally to me either. But it's, so it's something that's kind of one of those mechanical things to put in place to maybe force yourself to do it. One organization, this wasn't my idea, I'd love to take credit, but it wasn't my idea. One organization I was at just instituted a what's on your mind lunch. And what all they did is they organized it around people's anniversaries that you know, on the month of their anniversary, they'd pull people in and serve them lunch, catered in from someplace. And some of the members of the management team would sit around and they would just tee up the meeting and say, what's on your mind? No agenda. There was no talking at the employees about anything. And it was usually quiet for a minute or two. And then someone will say, hey, you know, at the last uh, all company meeting, the CEO said this, that worries me. Or can you tell us more about that? Or they say, geez, you introduced this new product and we don't have the right tooling for it. And we're really fighting it. What are we going to do about that? And all of a sudden the floodgates would open and they just started saying all these things. And some you could do something about and some you couldn't. The good discipline was to keep your mouth shut and just listen. Yeah, we've learned so much. It's just the importance of, of having those conversations and creating those environments. One thing I, I also love about this is there's two wins happening here. The person feels like they're being heard, but they also get they get a lunch. Like everybody enjoys a lunch. Oh, I absolutely. Think. So that's again, another thing that's like not super hard to implement. You just need to make a note that, Hey, on people's anniversaries or whatever format somebody decides, like we just need to make sure we're doing this. So I love it. Yeah. Back to the communication piece. And this is something you've coached us on. They're different, but I, I think they're very similar in the same way. There's like the inspiring message format that you talk about in the, the book. And you, you've also talked with us and coached us a bit about how to deliver a message when there's uncertainty. You know, you just found out that that a big client is leaving or they're moving their production line or whatever it is. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, whether that's somebody in the HR suite who's dealing with employees coming to them and saying, hey, I'm nervous right now. We're going to be losing business. What does a good message look like? Yeah, when you're in the middle of change and, and sometimes it's negative change and, and every business eventually will have negative news to communicate. First, I'll just speak to one note is that most management teams or many management teams are hesitant to start talking with their employees about it until they have all the information. You know, they don't want to stand up in front and communicate a message until they have all the T's crossed and I's dotted. And then I believe that in many cases, that's just too late. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you never even have all that, right? Like, well, you never situation like we never really had all that information. Yeah, I mean, so you don't have it all. And when that's going on, the rumor mill is running and people are filling in the gaps and they usually fill them in in a way that's worse than if you actually shared with them what you know. So I've got a, a formula that I use for communicating, and like I've shared it with Gorilla, but the first thing you do is tell them why. So let's, let's say you're in front of a team or a group of people, or if you're the CEO, you're in front of the entire company. The first reason you, thing you do is you tell them why you're there. And you hit it hard. You don't waffle around it. You don't try to build up to it or soften it. We're here because we just lost a big customer. That's 20% of our volume, and we're going to have to make some adjustments. So that's why we're here today, if that was the, the news. Or so-and-so just left. Whatever that news is, you hit it and hit it hard. The second thing you do is tell them what you know. 
So here's what we know about this situation. And you, you know, bullet point the facts. And then you tell them what you don't know. And this is where you do your time to be kind of open with them about here's the things that we're still figuring out, you know, what we don't know about how it's going to happen so that they know what gives the people comfort is that they know that you don't know. And then it actually helps when you get to the point that you do Q&A. They know that there's no sense in asking because you just told them you don't know. And it's something you're going to be working on. The fourth piece is what I consider to be the most important, most often missed, is to tell them how you feel. And this is your time to be vulnerable and honest. And if you do it well, it builds trust with people to let you know that you are human. You know, if you're a mid-level manager and, and you're talking to your team and a new change is being introduced, maybe it's a reorganization or you're introducing a new ERP system, and you say, I just have to tell you, I'm a little nervous about this. I don't like the technical change we're going to go through, but I support it. I know we need to do it as a company, but you know, frankly, I'm a little nervous about it. It's okay. You don't have to be a rah-rah person in every one of these meetings and, and be, you know, just stay the company line. It's okay to let people know that you're human and how you feel about things. At the same time, obviously, if you're you're in management, you do have to support where the company is going and lead your people there. And then the final thing is tell them what's next, what's going to happen, and what they can expect from you. So that could be what we're going to do is, but I told you some things we don't know. We're going to try and find answers to these three questions, and you can expect to see an email come out from me tomorrow with more information, and then we'll get together in person next week. They have some idea what's going to happen. So that's the formula. And you can do that for big changes, but you could also do it on a micro level for relatively small changes. I just found it to be really effective. I love it. You mentioned this at a, a meeting we had a while back, and it's something now I'm hearing people, and I'm seeing them do it in company meetings and whenever directors are rolling out updates. I think often as leaders, we feel the pressure that we have to have all the answers. And you just don't. And I think people appreciate it. I mean, again, like something we talk about at Gorilla all the time is just, honest and transparent communication. And that's really at the root of all of this. People can sense right away if you're not being forthcoming with them and if you're not truly being open and honest. And you can't have a foundation of trust if if there's not a open and honest dialogue going on. Let me ask you a question about, so I mean, and maybe this is how we should have started, but whatever, we'll get into it now. You've literally written the book on fixing a broken factory. When you think about what a broken factory looks like and feels like, what red flags start emerging? What can somebody in the HR suite or whoever in the company in a leadership role look for to know that, okay, like things are changing here. The factory is breaking. What are some of those indicators, I guess? That could go a lot of different places. I'm sure that yeah, it could be a really long <laughs> yeah. answer, but, but, uh, especially on the people front, maybe. Anything okay, related yes, to that? If you want to focus on the people front... There's the obvious ones where turnover starting to climb up a little bit. People that are coming in that you do hire are turning and leaving sooner. You can sense if there's, well, I guess one signal would be if you're not getting any feedback at all, whether you're in HR or any part of management, if people are just clamming up and you're not hearing what's happening, that's a, certainly a not a healthy sign. But also you can sense the increasing frustration. Sometimes you can get a little numb to it if you work inside an organization. But as I come in from an, as an outsider, I walk the floor and I just look for the little things like, does the leader know people's names? Do people say hi and wave? Is there a smile on people's faces? 
this maybe being a little bit crude, but sometimes when I'm walking the floor, you can tell that the person touring, they're kind of getting flipped the bird by the people on the floor. There's a disdain and a dislike. Those would all be signals of an unhealthy relationship with the workers. Yeah, that, to- that makes total sense. And luckily, I, I think with our clients who I'm exposed to, and I'm not just saying this because they're our clients, I haven't really experienced a lot of that. I think they're running pretty good shops. I mean, there are people who are looking to invest money into their company. So I think anytime somebody's trying to do that, most of the time they're probably working on these things. But I have been in business environments in the past or around them where you can just feel that, whether it's a restaurant or whatever it is, you can just feel like the people don't really want to be here. Your customers feel that. And John, I was on the phone this morning with someone who they had read my book, and it's part of the reason they were talking to me, but they said, you know, when it comes to talking with my people, sometimes I don't even want their input because I feel like they're just in it for them. They're not in it to help and do what's right for the company. And he paused and he said, and I know that's exactly what you're talking about when you say we don't have respect for our people. And they're good people, but sometimes some of us were raised or we've had things happen to us in our lives where we don't have an inherent trust with people and you can feel it and sense it in the language and the words that they use. Yep. That makes total sense. And and those are tough things to change. I mean, especially if there's something that goes back to somebody that's happened, not even at your factory way earlier in their life, and they just have a hard time trusting people. Absolutely. Last thing I want to touch on a bit, and it's no secret, I mean, or maybe it is, I haven't really talked about this, but the whole reason we started this podcast was because We'll pitch work to our clients a lot of times for more marketing work, and they'll say, hey, this is great. We can't take on any more work. We can't find the people to do the work. So we start thinking, well, you're saying that, but then I look at your brand from a talent standpoint. We call it employer branding in your book. You call it the talent brand. You'll look at it and you'll say, well, you have everything there is about your products on your website. But then when we get to your career section, and a brand is a lot more than the career section, employer brand, but we'll look and there's one little paragraph about being an equal opportunity employer and then a link to some external thing where you apply and then you never hear from... Talk about the talent brand. Like It's strange to me that this is something that as marketers, we don't talk about more, but you're still trying to sell. Like you're 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 just, instead of selling a product, you're trying to sell an experience to get somebody to work there. Talk a bit about the talent brand, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you, you just started to hit on it is that again, in years gone by, we didn't have to spend a lot of time thinking about it because there is a line out the door and the employer kind of held the cards when it came time to recruit and hire people. That has changed. And I think for manufacturers in particular, and maybe for a lot of businesses, but for manufacturers, they need to put as much energy and time into figuring out how they're going to market what they do to the community of people that could potentially come work for them as they do trying to recruit and retain customers. And there's a tremendous number of parallels, but you have to just have things that make you unique from everybody else. And you have to have a compelling message. That, you know, If you think about the people you're trying to recruit and retain, what is it that's important to them? And do you have those things in place? And you know, do you have a value proposition that resonates with them? And then, of course, there's the message that getting that message out there. I think I have the example in the book of a job description that somebody posted on a, on one of the job boards. It was just boring. And yeah, it's like, I wouldn't want to work here. Like, there's a joke that goes around. It's like a meme that's going around. But it's like the opening of every job description. It's like fast-paced, exciting environment. And then it says like picture of fast-paced, exciting environment. It shows a bunch of cubicles with like bad lighting. And, yeah, you know, that's yeah. our version of that. It's like, come on. I don't want to work here. Well, yeah, I mean, they can 
put something in there that says what their pay is. But then the next sentence and all they'll say is, you're going to be a welder that works on these kind of products. And it's basically saying, we're going to treat you like a number because that's what this job is. You're a number when you come in here. And yet you read us another one and it's going to be, here's how we treat people. This is how you build a career here. This is what it means to be an employee at our organization and how you can really come here and thrive. And you just get excited reading it. That's way different than what manufacturers have done in the past. And I think we just need to get a lot better at it. Yep, absolutely. I mean, we used to have pretty basic job descriptions for our marketing agency. Then we heard people starting to say things like, well, we want to know what my key accountabilities will be. We want to know, is there an employee handbook? What kind of benefits? What does the role look like? What does success look like at 30, 60, 90 days? And it's not apples to apples, but I think getting into more detail about what does it look like six months after you've started? Like, what will you have learned? What will you have been expected to deliver Paint that picture. Yeah, it takes some time to write it, but guess what? Once you've done it once, you've got it, and you can use it again and again and again. Right. Yeah, the uh, portion of that that I get a little concerned about, and I've done you know some of this kind of employment branding or talent branding with with a client or two, and is that you got to live it. It can't just be an outward facing message. You have to deliver on it. The messaging is the easy part. Changing internally and actually living it is the hard part. Yep. Talk is cheap, right? Anything. Rob, that we didn't cover today. I mean, literally, you wrote a book on this, so we could do a, probably a full season series on this topic w- with your expertise. But anything today that you wanted to touch on that maybe we didn't? You know, I think we covered a, a lot of good territory. I just want to give you my gratitude and thanks for bringing the topic up and making sure it's in front of manufacturing employers and giving me a chance to talk to you about it. So it's something that I'm passionate about and means a lot to me. Awesome. Rob, to close it out, I'm going to read a a short little passage there that I think paints the entire picture from your book. I was speaking with the CEO of a very successful family-owned manufacturing company that had a unique perk for their employees. They owned a vacation resort on a lake in northern Wisconsin, and they would let the employees use it. There were several small cabins and access to pontoon boats and other recreational activities. All of this was provided at no cost to the employees. I, being Rob, commented to the owner, it is nice that you have a financial position strong enough to be able to provide this great benefit for your employees. And he quickly corrected me by saying, Rob, you have it backward. We have great results because we do these things for our employees. So I think like to me, that has been my exact experience running a marketing agency. I think manufacturing, at the end of the day, it's people, whether it's manufacturing, marketing, whatever, healthcare, Treat your people well, and I think you will reap the rewards. So, Rob, thanks so much for spending time with us today. How can our listeners learn more, get in touch with you, buy the book? So the, the book is How to Fix a Factory. You can get that out on Amazon. They got it in Kindle. It's on Audible and hardcover as well. So you can get it in all those formats. You can go to my website, robtracy.net, and I'm out there on LinkedIn. So if anybody wants to connect with me on LinkedIn, just look under Rob Tracy and you'll find me. Well, Rob, thank you very much. And to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. I'll catch you on the next episode of The Manufacturing Employer. You've been listening to The Manufacturing Employer podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about our approach to industrial marketing and the role that company culture has in moving manufacturing forward, visit Gorilla76.com.